I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey everyone, I'm Jay Shetty. I'm a storyteller, filmmaker, and former monk, and I've just been on Rebel Radio. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. My name is Josh Levine. My guest this week is Jay Shetty. Uh, first of all, I want to start with a shout out to my man, James Morgan. James is the most connected guy I know in London. He runs the Milken Fund out there and has a, an amazing job where he just gets to connect with uh, the most interesting people in the world and he's he's hooked me up with a lot of really great contacts uh, including my guest this week Jay Shetty is a former monk actually before that he was a street kid growing up in London trying to be a rapper uh, becomes a monk kind of finds his his spiritual path and now is um, a social influencer making wisdom go viral uh, by sharing his journey uh, with us through video and, and social media. He's, he's got an incredible story, how he's built this street philosophy and his massive following online. It's, it's really a fascinating uh, journey. I hope you're going to join us on Right after our EDM.com track of the week. Check it out. Summertime, summer time to get me closer to her 
got confidence that if they try to slide up it, she'll cut them off or they commence. I ain't got no time for it. I hit snooze too many times. Now I got some, I got some, I got some peace of mind. Most out to my fam, sitting on green like the lawn seats. Never foolish, cause I'm rocking with you like a shanty. Shorty know I used to get so jealous that she took a toll. Yo, that was Peace of Mind, our EDM.com track of the week. The artist is Tark Silk. And uh, get over to EDM.com, check out new music. Now let's get into it with Jay Shane. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about you and your work until James connected us. Yes. Um, and uh, like I said, I do whatever James tells me to do. So. <laughs> but, um, but now I'm like, I, I, I've been watching your videos, and, and you know, there's something that you just can't. It's like a book you can't put down. Thank you. Um, it means a lot to me. Yeah, it's cool. And I'm, you know, I'm a big, uh, I invest a lot of my time and energy in, in growth and development. And, and so uh, it's exciting stuff to me. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of learn about your journey. And, yeah, definitely. And, uh, well, no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you were a monk? Yeah, I was a monk for three years. Buddhist monk? No, a Hindu monk. Hindu Vedic monk. Hindu okay. monk. So the Vedic tradition, Vedic lineage. How... Uh, and but you're from London. I'm from London, born and raised. So how does a London kid become a Vedic monk? Yeah, definitely. So it's one of the craziest things I think I ever decided to do. Is that right? And from my track record, it definitely wasn't on the cards. I was a normal, average kid growing up in London who did everything a normal kid would want to do. Yeah. I never considered myself spiritual, religious, deep, or even a self-development. What part of London? Progressive thinker. I grew up in North London. Okay. So I grew up in North London. I was, as a kid, I was good up till about 13. Uh -huh. And then I started to become a rebel, felt like a bit of a misfit, kind of got bored of going to school, doing well, getting grades, being a good kid at home. Sure. So I kind of went on the other side. And so started, what, what does that entail? Like, for, for folks who don't know North London, like what does a so, what does a rebel at thirteen get into? So a North every every area of London pretends to have its own hood, yeah, but it's not really that bad. Like yeah. you still go back to your parents, sure. You still have your mom's home cooked food, and right. you don't have to like scrape for for money or anything yeah, yeah. like that. So North London's a middle class area. It has people who are aspirational. There's pockets of people who will stay there and and struggle to. Mm -hmm make ends meet and there are other people like my parents who really pushed me to get a great education to yeah. work hard so they would go out of their way for me to be prepped to get into a great secondary school high school and all mm -hmm. the rest of it so mm -hmm. that's the kind of background i came from so what's the rebellion like what what did you get into the rebellion led me to everything from drugs to stealing cars to uh getting involved in uh, a bit of violence, a bit of, a bit of petty crime, nothing mm -hmm. too big, nothing too huge. And it was my way of just, A, I was in the wrong association, and B, I was just trying to find a thrill in life. Yeah. I just felt like life couldn't be about getting good grades, getting a good job, and making money. Like, that couldn't be it. Sure. And at that time, I had no other outlet apart from wanting to experiment and explore whatever was there. Yeah. So I was just trying things out, so nothing monk-like mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. And then... 16 years old, two big things happen. I lose two friends. Mm. So my, one of my friends dies in a car accident. Not her fault. 16 years old. Yeah. 
And then another one of my friends, 18, dies in gang and crime violence. Yeah. And he's killed in that. Mm. And I'm just like, I've just lost two of my favorite people on the planet. Mm. Yes, he may not have been seen as good. And she was a great, a good soul. So I've just lost two of my great friends. And I'm now starting to question, hey, what's life all about? Sure. What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? Why did they go? And I start searching for answers, but I'm still doing everything anyway because I'm 16 years old. Right. Then at 18, I start university and I loved hearing rags to riches stories. So I'd go to entrepreneurs, influencers, CEOs who'd be invited to speak at my university, Cass Business School. Mm. I'd go every week to hear from them because I used to love hearing stories of people who went from nothing to something. That, yeah. that really captivated me yeah. for whatever reason. And one week, a monk was invited. And every part of me was just like, well, who wants to hear from a monk? Like, who cares? Yeah. And I got forced by one of my friends saying, no, 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 you've got to come. You've got to come see this guy. You come every week. You might as well. I had nothing else to do. I thought, why not? Yeah. And I thought, at worst, we'll just laugh at him or whatever it is. Sure. Anyway, I turn up and this guy is the most captivating speaker I've ever seen in my really? life. Yeah. And I'm just blown away. I'm just like, <clears throat> wow. I've heard CEOs speak. I've heard entrepreneurs speak. I've heard influencers speak. But this guy's got something. Mm -hmm. I've heard celebrities speak. But I'm more attracted to this guy than anyone I've ever met. Mm. He's not even famous. Like, right. I don't even know who he is. Yeah. And then I find out, I, I stay on so I can talk to him afterwards. I used to love networking and speaking to people that inspired me. And I find out that he gave up jobs at Google and Microsoft to be a monk. And oh. I'm thinking to myself, who does that? Like, yeah. up till now, I've been inspired by people who go from nothing to something sure. and here's someone who went from something to nothing yeah. and I love him yeah. and he spoke about this principle called plant trees under whose shade you do not plan to sit okay right so the principle of selfless service yeah. to sacrifice what one has in order to improve the lives of others is the highest gain and the highest form of success mm -hmm. and that was his perspective from what he'd been studying and for some reason at that age of 18, that penetrated beyond anything I'd ever heard. Yeah. Like it just cut through all the crap that I'd been told about make money, be successful, be famous, be rich, you know, all that yeah. stuff yeah. That, you, that everyone knows. And it kind of just cut through all that crap and was just talking to a deeper part of me. So anyway, I end up interning with him every uh, summer. I do my internships at banks and consultancies. Yeah. And then, so I spent two months like kind of going out every night, making money, wearing nice suits, doing all the rest of it, girlfriends, etc. And then the other half of my summer holidays, I'm living like a monk in India. Wow. Following him around, literally shadowing him. Yeah. So I, I kind of compare it to an internship. Sure. Because that's what I was doing. I was living a monk's life for one to two months every summer or Christmas. And I was doing that for three years. Wow. So at the end of my business school, at end of CAS business school, where I studied behavioral science, I've always been fascinated by the mind, why we do what we do, mm -hmm. and the brain. I have my offers at huge corporate firms and I decide I'm going to turn them down and go off and become a monk. So that's, that's kind of like that journey in a very, but yeah, you can extrapolate, ah, extrapolate any part of it. Well, so, yeah. you know, you're, so why you do what you do? So, so yeah. what I'm interested in is, you know, you're 16 yeah. and he's, you lose two friends and, mm. you know, I can understand this terrible experience. Terrible. So for some people, and I've had a lot of friends, you know, involved in, in gangs and, and all, all, you know, all mm. walks of life, mm. right? Mm. And for some people, when things like that happen, it pushes you further down mm. the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. right? Because you tell yourself, well, that's how life is or whatever mm. story you make up about why these things are happening. 
it pushes you further down, let's say, the wrong path, right? Mm -hmm. And then for other people like you, it kind of snaps you out of it or mm -hmm. it changes the trajectory mm -hmm. of your life, right? So I guess back to your point about why you do what you do, <laughs> why, what was it in you that those experiences changed the trajectory instead of pushing you further along? Absolutely. I, I've been saying a lot recently that you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And I was so fortunate that I met a monk when I was 18. Yeah. Like I'd never met a monk. I wouldn't want to be a monk if I never saw a monk. Right. You can't be a recording artist if you never meet a recording artist. Right. We live in this bubble, an echo chamber. I always joke that I grew up wanting or grew up expected to be a doctor, a lawyer or a failure. Sure. Like those are my three options. Yeah. And that's because that's all I saw. So the only thing that changed my trajectory was the fact that I found a role model who was giving me an alternative path. Mm -hmm. Whereas up till then, my role models were rappers that I didn't know that I used to listen sure. to. The people in the city that we spent time with. And then your parents, who you don't really listen to at 16. Yeah. So that was one thing. The second thing is that I started reading a lot when I was 16. Yeah. So until I was 16, I believed I hated reading mm. because schools only ever gave you fiction books. Right. And I don't like fiction. I still don't enjoy fiction books. Yeah. But when I was 16, I started reading autobiographies and biographies and philosophy and psychology. And that was all reality. And so I also started reading the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of mm -hmm. my favorite books today. And I teach it a lot. And I started reading Aristotle and Socrates and Plato's Republic. And so I started reading from a much more broad range of thought. Yeah. And I got exposed to that because my dad, for the first time in his life, realized uh, he actually gave me a biography of an Indian saint who'd crossed from India to the, to the US to share his teachings. Mm. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And so that kind of started- Not the autobiography of a yogi. No, 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 okay. not the autobiography of a yogi, which I've That's, also read, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, of course. But it was just that moment in time where I was starting to read, and I read that too at yeah. that time. And it was just like, wow, there are other types of thought in the world. Yeah. There are other types of people. Yeah. So you can't be what you can't see. And so for me, it was that exposure to a new set of role models yeah. and a new set of thought that, I ha that happened at the right time. Whereas if I just stayed in that, uh, if I stayed in that environment, I probably would have gone on the downward trajectory. Sure. Yeah. So quick side note. Yeah, sure, yeah. Who were the rappers at that time <laughs> that were influencing yeah, you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a huge hip hop rap fan. I okay. still am, I, I'm still a huge fan. Eminem, without yeah. a doubt, is probably one of my favorite rappers of all time. I used to listen to a lot of Immortal Technique oh, then. Yeah. yeah, really big fan of Immortal Technique's lyrics okay. and play on words. I can never go back Life without parole Upstate shackled and trapped Living in the hole Looking at the world through a crack But fuck that I'd rather shoot it out and get clapped I've gone too far There ain't no coming back for me Auschwitz gas chamber full of Zyklon B Just like the Spanish exterminating Tainos Raping the black and Indian women Creating Latinos Nas was a huge, uh, huge influence at that time who else was there? I'm trying to remember all my set of albums. But yeah, those, those are the big ones. <laughs> Mostly Jay's, Americans. Jay's, oh, not, all American. Not so much British. All American. I mean, if there were British, there was, there was a guy named Klashnikov. Yeah. I don't know if he's, I don't even know what he's doing anymore, but I remember some of his tracks were absolutely great. Yeah. And at that time, the UK grime scene and everything was just on the rise. I used to do yeah. a lot of spoken word too. And, oh, did you? Yeah, and dabbled in rap myself. Is that right? With my British accent. Yeah. 
And yeah, I loved it. I used to love producing music and listening to music and rapping. So rap was a great outlet for me at the time. I used to write a lot. Yeah. I used to love rhyming. And, and yeah, I saw it as a great way of expressing my feelings. So hence a lot of my videos today have some sort of rhythmic yeah, play yeah. on words, etc. It comes yeah. from that desire to... That did desire you, ever, did what? you ever like get up on stage? Or yeah, I got up did on you? stage. I recorded my own uh, LP. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, went, I did the whole work. So oh, at, one point, at one point I was... You know, We're not going to find that No, no, I don't think you'll find it anymore. I think MySpace too, really? died a while okay. ago. Yeah, I think I had yeah, it all yeah. on MySpace. And yeah. I had an album on a CD. No one has a CD player anymore. Right, right, right. The album was called Underestimated. Uh, and it had like 20 tracks on it or something <laughs> like that. It was great. It was yeah. so much fun. And I That's remember cool. selling my CD at all these places. Oh, nice. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I took it seriously. It was, yeah, yeah. It was probably my biggest passion from, from 14 to 18 was writing lyrics and, wow. and put, rapping. Amazing. But I don't think I was a very mainstream lyricist. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was good fun. That's cool. And I didn't talk about guns and stuff because I never, I never shot anyone. So right. <laughs> there was none of that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so... How'd you get from there to here, right? So, so from from a monk to a, uh, I love the the street philosophy. Yeah. I think is an amazing brand. Thank you. Um, and uh, you know that's one of those things that when you see it, it just like, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting journey. I thought I was going to be a monk for the rest of my life. We loved. I loved what we were doing. We were. So the difference between Vedic or general what people think monks do is that half the day is silence mm. and then the other half is service. Mm -hmm. So you're spending half the day on growing yourself and fueling yourself and really rising to a higher frequency. And then the rest of the day is you interacting with people who need help yeah. and making a difference in their life. Yeah. And that's why I chose that path. I love that balance. And I think that's the world that we live in today. We all need to feel full yeah. and then we all need to give that away and then refill every day. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being complete service where you kind of burn out, sure. or at the other end, where you're just so full, but then it's not practical. It's it's not accessible. What? I mean, we I think we think of a monk. Mm. We think of that life as one of sacrifice. Yes. Yes. Um, what's the best and the hardest part of yeah, living sure. as a monk? So the hardest part is you go from trading your wardrobe for two sets of clothes. So yeah. you wear one, you wash one. Yeah. All your possessions fit inside a gym locker. Yeah. You shave your head and that's hard because I quite like my hair and yeah. I used to like my hair then too. So you shave your hair off and you're trained. One of the hardest things, which was also one of the most beautiful things, is that you're trained to not look in mirrors. Mm. So there's no mirrors in a monastery and there's no mirrors in an ashram. Right. And the reason is because you then start, you stop living on the physical plane. You stop living on the physical platform because you stop identifying yourself right. as the body. Yeah. And just not looking at a mirror does that. It's incredible how not looking at a mirror for three years, literally, for that long, sure. you lose a sense of physical identity. Yeah, and, and you're able to just penetrate further. So anyway, that was one of the hardest things. Is just Initially, it's like sleeping on the floor. Mm. You're now sleeping four to six hours a night when you were used to doing eight or nine or ten. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard living communally with a hundred monks. Right. You have no privacy yeah. everything's transparent but again that's in training in the fact that the more transparency you have the less you can lie mm -hmm. the less ego you have and the more honest you can be with yourself mm. so the fact that you have to be honest with others forces you to be honest with yourself yeah if you're late to morning meditation everyone sees it right sure. you, you know it's all there like if yeah. you turn up late to work in the real world you can kind of try and like hide right. in you sneak in you make something up 
in Monk I was World. At a meeting. Yeah, in Monk World, everyone saw you sleeping like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. Like everyone knows where you've been. You that's know? Right. Everyone can see what you've got in your locker. Everyone can see how messy you are, how tidy you are. Yeah. That, that stuff's hard. Yeah. And what was the second question? What's the best bit? What's the best bit? The best bit of being a monk is that you get so much exclusive focus on personal self-awareness mm. and actualization. Imagine not having any role in life but to discover yourself. Like no other responsibility. Yeah. But to really go beyond all of the false identities you've created or think you are and explore yourself in a deeper way. And I, I've been saying this a lot lately that you, you can't take the world further than where you've visited internally. Mm. And you get a chance as a monk to visit parts of you internally that you never could if you didn't give yourself that time. Yeah. If you want to get a degree, you've got to study for three years. If you want to be a recording artist, I'm sure it takes hours and hours of practice. Sure. So why is managing the mind or self-exploration any different? Yeah. And so getting that exclusive focus with no girlfriend, no wife, no, no bills to pay directly, mm -hmm. no, no job, no occupation in one sense, mm -hmm. that exclusive focus just allows you to have laser-like intention on sure. the goal of finding yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love mean, that. I miss that. <laughs> it's probably the only, it's one of the only opportunities to be 100% focused on one thing. Absolutely. What else in life, where else in life do you ever get a moment to focus on the self? School yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. Your teenagers, you're too busy exploring. Of course. And, yeah. you know, as we talk about, you know, in this show, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot mm, of people, mm. a lot of creators. Mm who are really good at what they do and therefore they build businesses around them. Yes. And the reality is the more successful you get, the less you do the thing that, that made you successful. Right, yeah, wow. Right, because you end up running a staff and a mm, company mm, and all mm. these things, right? <laughs> and so it's actually the opposite of what you're talking about, which yeah. is, that's amazing. How, how'd you know it was time to, to leave? Yeah, so it was actually the other way around. My teacher said to me three years on that he felt it was time for me to leave mm. so I could share what I'd learned. Wow. And I kind of felt like he was breaking up with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those moments like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> like, you know, one of those awkward, we need to talk yeah. kind of conversations. And I, I genuinely felt like, I felt like I just failed at being a monk. What do you think he saw? I mean, it's, it's kind of easy in hindsight to be like, wow, like he could see what I couldn't. And, and yeah. I do feel that way today. But at that time, I was just like, what's wrong with you? Like, this is my yeah. dream. Like, I felt like I was getting divorced. Yeah. And I felt like I'd failed. Out of all the things to fail at in life, failing at being a monk, like you're getting mm. kicked out of monastery, like how bad can you be? And that's how it felt then. Yeah. And it was hard. It was, it was slightly depressive. It was, it was, a, it was a low moment mm. because I was like rising. I was being a monk and I was just finding my identity. And then all of a sudden, like in a moment, all of that hard work for three years, and you're going back to reality yeah. where I moved back in my parents. I've got $25,000 worth of debt mm -hmm. converted from pounds. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm moving in back, living with my parents again. Three years later, I'm like 26 years old. And, and you're looking at life through a completely different lens now. Sure. So, so I moved because of that. Yeah. And now when I look back, I'm like, <coughs> he was so right. And this yeah. is what I love about mentors and coaches and love knowing that I don't know everything, mm. is that sometimes people can see for you what you can't see for yourself. Yeah. And five years ago when I left being a monk, 100% my teachers and guides could see what, I never saw any of what I do today coming, genuinely yeah. hand on my heart. Yeah. I had all the limiting beliefs, or at least never saw it getting to this level. And thanks to them, they, they didn't have those limiting beliefs. So, so you start down on this path to kind of share what mm. you've learned and what you've become. and. And that is there a 
business plan at that point? <laughs> so it took nine months for me just to figure out what happened in the world. Remember, yeah. I've missed the World Cup. Yeah. I don't know who won the Grammys. I've, I've missed out on a lot of like key events. Yeah. And technology between 2010 and 2013 yeah. has escalated more than ever. You know, if social media kicked off in 2004, mm. you're now into the place where everything's kind of on the rise. Yeah. All the apps are now in full flurry. The iPhone's out, Twitter's out, YouTube's huge. Like all these big things have happened while I've been away. Mm. I've never used a social media platform yeah. apart from MySpace. And, and I don't really know what's happened. So I spent nine months just getting to grips. The amazing thing that happens is I don't have a business plan. I kind of know what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But what happens is all my friends who I went to university with now work at huge corporates. Yeah. And they're stressed out and they hate their life. Sure. And so they're coming back to me going, Jay, you've been a monk for three years. Can you come and teach us about what you've learned? You yeah. seem really relaxed and balanced and calm. Can you come and share with us? Yeah. So I end up going and start speaking at Google and Facebook and Morgan Stanley and all these big firms because yeah. all my friends work there. Yeah. And I'm literally teaching what I learned as a monk in these companies. And so that evolves into its own business where I mm. start creating models, practices, tools and techniques where people can apply what I learned in ashram mm -hmm. but to modern corporate life because that was going to be the journey I was going on anyway. So that evolves into my first business, which ended up being a coaching workshop company. Yeah. And I liked it, and I still do a lot of it, but I wanted the message to get further. Yeah. I didn't have to end at the corporates. It didn't have to end with that area of society. And I saw this rise in technology, but I barely understood it. Sure. So I ended up applying to like 30 consulting firms trying to get a job. And obviously, you know, my CV, my resume reads, like monk for three years, uh -huh. like charity work, like yeah. no work experience. So I'm getting rejected from companies that would have taken me in a heartbeat yeah. three years before. And then finally Accenture gives me a break. And Accenture's this, if anyone listening doesn't know what it is, Accenture's a 400,000 people company. Mm -hmm. It's a huge consultancy. They build technology platforms, et cetera, behind some of the biggest brands in the world. So I get a job there. I'm starting out there at like 27. All of the people starting out there are like 21. Right. I'm like the old guy in the group. Yeah. And I'm going to myself, I'm just here to learn about technology, social media, and how this world works. Mm -hmm. And in two years, I managed to become the top social media influencer at Accenture globally. And I end up being the exec trainer on social media, teaching them how to write their blogs, their articles, their Twitter profiles, everything. Wow. So, yeah. so, and then two years on, I'm just like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm going to put Monk and Media together. Yeah. And I'm going to test this out. So I quit Accenture. This is 2015, December. Yeah. And 2016, I launch a video. I've got a bit of money, which is coming in through workshops and coaching. But I'm like, I need to go online. Mm -hmm. I need to see where this goes. And I need to spread this message further. So I throw my first video up. Yeah. And I put it up on YouTube. And, and before that, I mean, there's a whole thing that's the lead up to that. While I'm, before I do that, I'm trying to beg every media company in the world to put my videos on their channel. So I don't have any videos right now, but I'm right. saying, hey, sign me. I take a quarter of my salary. I'll yeah. do anything. I think I've got a thing for media. Like, please yeah. give me a job. Please give me a break. I get rejected from everyone. Business Insider, HuffPost, Economist, Wired, you name it. Like yeah. uh, National Geographic, they all reject me. So then I network with editors and publishers of, or broadcasters. So Jon Snow is a really famous British broadcaster. Mm. He's probably one of the most famous broadcasters of, I, th I, think, I think in England he's one of the most well-known and recognized and has a great reputation. He cycles around London, so I see him after an event cycling and, and I run after him just to be like, John, stop, like, give me a job. So no I stop way. him on his bike and I'm just yeah. like, John, like, I, 
I think I could be a good broadcaster. I think I could teach through media. I think I could create these videos. And it's all think, think, think. It doesn't exist. Right. And he gives me his card and he goes, get a degree, get a master's degree in media and come back to me in wow. a year. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh man, like I haven't got 10K to go get yeah, masters yeah, yeah. and this and that. And I'm thinking what to do. So I get to a point where, beautiful quote by Thomas Edison, when you feel you've exhausted all options, remember this, you haven't. Mm. And so I get to a point where I've exhausted all options apart from starting my own channel. Yeah. And I start my own channel, start getting around 50 to 100,000 views on YouTube organically, mm. pumping it out on social media because of my social media background, trying to get organic growth. And about two, three months in, someone shows Ariana Huffington my video, not someone I knew. Yeah. Ariana Huffington sees the videos, she loves them. She gives me a call and says, Jay, we want to feature your videos. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, funny enough, just, uh, just a year ago, I got rejected for a job that was like for $20,000. Yeah, yeah. And now you're going to feature my videos. So they feature a series of my videos. The first one got 2 million in a week. The second one got 40 million in a couple of weeks. The third one got 20 million in a couple of weeks. And, yeah. the, and the last one got like something crazy as well. Yeah. And so we had about like, 60 to 100 million views over four videos and they'd never had that in the history of HuffPost. And so all of a sudden, all loads of followers are coming in mm -hmm. and people are f Googling my name and I'm like scraping to make a website because mm -hmm. I'm catching up with mm -hmm. virality and, yeah. and all of a sudden, my videos have gone from this guy just telling some stories to, to now being seen by millions of people across the world. Yeah. And it was the most overwhelming, humbling, and grateful moment of my life sure. because I couldn't believe how many people needed to hear this message. Yeah. And that's what it told me the most. It wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm good at this. It didn't feel like that. It felt, wow, people are really searching. Yeah. So that's how the switch kind of happened. So, so what do you think? I mean, you, you talk about making wisdom go viral, which, yes. which I love as a concept. Yeah. Um, and that's a great example of it, right? Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Huffington Post has a lot of mm. stuff in the same genre. And there's lots of other wisdom mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. So why, why are you able to make this go viral? Or why is it going viral for you in a way that it's not for some others? So, yeah, I, I spent six months at HuffPost then hosting a show. Yeah. where I was interviewing experts and gurus, et cetera, and self-development people, and then now I'm independent since mm -hmm. last February. Mm -hmm. The, I think there's a few things. One of the things, like you can look at everything through physical and then deeper reasons. Yeah. So physical reasons are, I'm a young person, I am sharing a genuine, authentic message that isn't branding, marketing, salesy, it's just real, it's, sure. it is who I am. Yeah. Uh, it's a great time for Asian people to rise up in the media mm. and be noticed and seen because I never had any Asian role models growing up. Now right. you've got Riz Ahmed winning an Emmy. Yeah. You've got Dev Patel doing so well in Hollywood. You've sure. got Priyanka Chopra who's come over. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a time uh, in media where we are becoming more diverse mm -hmm. as an industry and that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Those things to me are external sure. and, and I don't think they matter overall. I'm not so fast. I never looked at an industry and went, oh, there's no Indian people. Will I make it? Like, right. I never yeah. thought about that. You don't, I don't really care. Yeah. I don't consider myself anything to be honest. But the, the internal reasons or why I think it's working is I think we're at a point in time when politics, the economy, and all of these things have constantly failed people mm. or are not pe giving people the solutions that they're looking for in life. Yeah. 
And people now today, because of the privilege of their parents or because of access to resources thanks to the internet, feel that they want to craft lives that are based on meaning and purpose and deeper values. Mm -hmm. People today want money, but they want to make it through meaning. They want power, but they want to do it through purpose. They still want the same stuff as generations before. It's just they want to go about it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the message that I'm tapping into because I'm also one of them. I'm, I'm in the generation and speaking, not on behalf by any means, but speaking the voice of what we think and feel. Yeah. And, and that's where I think people have connected. The other side is that having studied behavioral science and when I lived as a monk, and this to me is the, the part that I think not many people know and, and I'm sharing it here and I love being able to share it in this environment, is when I was a monk, I spent three hours a night, five days a week, sitting with groups of 20 to 50 students mm. at different universities, yeah. just solving their problems. I would literally sit there and I would, I would be a monk and I'd sit there with these students and they'd come to me with their questions. And I'd sit there and I would observe their biggest challenges, their biggest fears, their behavioral challenges. And I would just watch mm-hmm. and patiently make notes on just what people would genuinely struggle with. So my videos are designed in a way that I've spent three years, sorry, three years, five days a week for three hours a night yeah. studying people's minds. Yeah. And so a lot of my videos are created from genuine observation sure. as opposed to I want to sell this product or I think this is what people are worried about. Mm-hmm. It's through actual personal evidence of note taking and learning. Yeah. If that helps, I don't know if that answers your question. But. No, I, I think it does. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. You know, there's a, there's a bit of a mystery to me because I think, you know, we're in an environment there's more access to yes. knowledge and to wisdom and guidance yes. than we've ever had, mm. right? And, and, you know, you're obviously touching millions of people. Deepak Chopra is touching mm-hmm. millions of people. Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. right? There's, awesome, and yeah. so you have these, uh, what I would say, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. voices. We have these, like, you know, our parents never, happiness was not... Yeah. A priority. Yeah, it wasn't on absolutely. the agenda, right? Absolutely. But for our generation and younger generations, it absolutely is. And yet, people, it feels like people are maybe unhappier than ever. Yeah. You know, mental illness is ec- epidemic in yeah. all over the world. You know, suicide, depression, anxiety, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and in fact, I was reading some article about this sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a backlash, but the other side of that, like there's these, all these books like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes, yes. Or, you know, there's this new genre of like, yeah. I'm okay, leave me alone. Yes. Which, um, whatever, right? It's, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know what my question is, but it's, you know, what is it, What is it going to take? Because it's clearly not just the access to information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a revolution in the education system. Mm. And I don't think that's going to come from the education system. I think it's going to come from creating educational platforms and programs externally where young people and their parents need to be made aware and conscious to the fact that there is a whole nother learning. Mm. So I call it unlearning. Mm-hmm. I believe that everyone needs to go through a process of unlearning first all of the expectations, beliefs, and understandings that we've been trained in 
to then relearn yeah. a new set of thoughts. So yeah. the, mo the modern education system is all about putting things in mm -hmm. rather than bringing things out. Mm -hmm. So very rarely are we talking about what potential is inside you and how can we bring that out. We're saying you need to learn maths. If you want to be successful, you need to learn analytics. If you want to be successful, you need to know about virtual reality. Yeah. If you want, so all we're doing is creating more things and telling people they need to learn sure. them and not recognizing the potential within. And Vedic education or timeless education or philosophical education would suggest, along the quotes of Einstein, everyone's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing that it's stupid. Right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're telling fishes to be monkeys, we're yeah. telling monkeys to be lions or whatever it is. Sure. And so for me, that's where it starts. Until yeah. we get to a point of saying, we're going to observe people and their talents and engage them according to that, yeah. because that's where they're gonna flourish. Like you just said, so many people, and I'm, I'm stopping myself from getting to that space, when things start going in the right direction, you then end up wasting more of your life doing what you don't want <laughs> right. than what you did. Yeah. And that's what we all do. How many people can honestly say, I do what I love every day? Yeah. But that would reduce mental health, that would make you a better husband, a right. better parent, a better wife, and it would make you a better citizen because you'd be happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you're gonna be completely happy because sure. your job's a job, but my point is that if your daily activity nourishes you and plays to your strengths, you're going to function a whole lot better. So, so how do you police that in yourself, right? Because now you're building this business, mm -hmm. I see you've got a coaching business, yes. you've got um, the, the media business, yeah. um, I imagine there's uh, some things cooking that we don't know about. Yeah, so I, I run TV a TV show. I was, yeah, uh, I run I run a bunch of stuff. So yeah. I have a social media agency. We run social media for execs, etc. Nice. I don't. I'm not involved in it so much anymore, yeah. apart from clients and being involved. And I don't promote it because it grows organically through recommendation. Right. And that's how I've been able to monitor my greed versus what keeps me happy. Mm. And I talk about always working at the pace of love. Mm -hmm. So I can love a challenge. So challenges are still welcome, but I should always be at the pace of love. Yeah. I should never get to a point where I don't love a challenge or I don't love the situation I'm in. Yeah. If I can love and cherish a struggle, that's great. I'm at the pace of love. Yeah. So I always ask myself, am I at the pace of love? Mm. So this business, for example, is not something I'm promoting to grow. I don't want it to be a, a huge, huge business. I'm happy to have it. Yeah. And, it's, and it does extremely well for itself. Yeah. But am I now going to grow it to have an office and have a million people and stuff? And I'm not interested in that. So when have, you, when have you caught yourself, right? When have you asked yourself that question and said, well, no, this takes me off of that path? Yeah, I usually ask it to me when people say to me, Jay, you're so good at this, you should be doing this. And that's yeah. usually where things come out, right? I'm sure you've yeah. had a million times, like, why are you not doing this? And mm. that's when like, people say to me, like, why don't you have a, why don't you make your social media business, scale it up a bit and you can make 100 million in revenue. Why don't you do that? And I'm just like, well, that's when I ask myself the question. And then I start thinking, oh yeah, 100 million would be nice and hmm. that would be nice and that would work. And then, I, and then I remind myself, I'm just like, well, that's not why I do it in the first place. Right. We work with a set group of clients that we love. We love their message. Yeah. It's all about the people. Yeah. So that's when I've seen it. It's when people mention something, you know you have the skills and aptitude to do it, mm -hmm. but then you're to yourself, wait a minute, am, is that sacrificing my peace of mind mm -hmm. and my heart and my intention? Yeah. So every morning I do, a, my morning routine is refining my intention. So I imagine my deep intention, which is to serve humanity and use everything I have to serve others, plant trees under whose shade you mm. do not plan to sit, and then I see weeds growing around it every day. And the weeds are, oh, just trade it, man. You make more money. Oh, just do it for the followers. Sure. Oh, just do it for fame. You know, all that yeah. stuff that comes up. And then every day I'm like literally poking out that weed. 
just plucking it out, going, this is not why I'm doing it, this is not why I started. Mm -hmm. So I think refining your intention every day really, really helps me. Yeah. Uh, I have a video agency now that's a lot of fun. We're helping brands, entrepreneurs, and influencers go viral for what messages we believe in. So we were working with an author recently. She had a beautiful message for her new book. We worked with her. Her video went extremely viral. It was mm. wonderful. We worked with National Geographic last year. Yeah. They built a campaign. So I don't know if you saw their biography of Albert Einstein. So they had a no. TV show on Albert Einstein called okay. Genius. It was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. I didn't realize that was them. Yeah, so that yeah. was Nat Geo. And then they launched a competition off the back of that called Chasing Genius. And they approached yeah. me and us and said, hey, we'd love for Americans to give ideas that will change the world. So improve global health, create a sustainable planet, or mm. feed nine billion. Yeah. So we created a video series for them. That went extremely viral, did extremely well. And we had all these thousands of applications from people all across America. The winner won $25,000 yeah. and was given VC funding and, in, and a network and introduced. So it was just working on meaningful stuff mm -hmm. helps me stay away from getting greedy or seeing sure. myself lean into yeah. that. Yo, if you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with Richard Green. It was actually a two-parter. He had so many uh, words of wisdom to drop on us that we had to split it in two. Richard was the uh, lawyer and business partner for Tony Robbins, and he got famous with his TED Talk on public speaking, and he coaches and helps people with public speaking. He's, he's really passionate about helping people uh, get their messages across and he's also talks about what he's doing to to remake the electoral process he's got some pretty innovative ideas there so you might want to go back and check that one out richard green on rebel radio of course after you finish up here with jay shetty I want to talk about failure. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I've seen some of some of the, I've seen in some of your videos, you know, you talk about that, and I think you say, you know, failure is the the lesson you need to widen your yes. scope. Yes, I yes, it, yes, I, yes, I yes, yes. The, yeah, I have yeah, the yeah. language here somewhere. No, no, I got it. I know, um, I know which one you're referring to. Uh, yeah, it's a sign we need to widen our scope. Yes. So what does that mean, and how do you, how do I widen my scope after I've every seen time a I fail, every time I fail, I say to myself this is only going to make the story better. So give me an example. So when I was rejected by Jon Snow yeah. that day, yeah. I, I said to myself, I'm going to tell this story one day and it's going to make my story so much better. Yeah. And it does yeah. because it's real and it actually happened. And now when I tell it, it's like, oh, wow. Like now it's cool. At that time, it didn't feel cool, but I knew it would right. one day. So yeah. it's, you're planting the seed of faith yeah. that this is happening. It makes the story better. I, you know, I used yeah. to joke when I was... Go on. I used to joke that I wanted to make movies, like parodies of movies where nice. everything just works out. Yeah. Where the plane and there's no crash and yeah. no turbulence and it just lands. And it's like, that, those are terrible movies. Because right? we need tension, we, we need, need failure, yes. you know, in order to make things interesting. Yeah. And I think we get that when it's on screen, but yes. when it's in our own lives. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. And, and I think... And that's my point that I always just say to myself, this is only going to make the story better. I, yeah. When I got rejected from jobs, when I was doing pretty well in the corporate world, the jobs that I was applying for in media were a quarter of my salary. Yeah. And they were rejecting me. And I've got those rejection letters still. Half Post rejected me. And, right. for, and I was just thinking, wait a minute. If I got that job, I would have started a job for $20,000. Yeah. 
and I would have just done that job and I wouldn't have had these videos. So like, the point is that failure stops you from settling and it helps you learn. And I think the problem is that we don't learn, we only keep knocking on the same door again and again. Rather than going, hey, wait a minute, what did I learn from the fact that if that record producer just told me I'm bad, if that media company, and they were right, they had no reason to hire me. I had no track record, I had no proof, I had no videos. I was just some guy knocking on their door. So usually what happens, I've, you know, I've, yeah. I'm in a business, I'm rejected constantly. Yes, me too. And uh, yeah, yeah, as we all are. You know, there's a tendency, usually the ego takes over, mm-hmm. we blame the messenger, Yes. right? And so usually when you don't get hired for a job, you know, you're mad at them. Yes. Um, how, how do you overcome that? I have tried to overcome it by always focusing on learning. Yeah. It's so easy to blame someone, yeah. right? We know that. It's so easy to sure. just be like, oh, it's, it's your fault. fault. The idea is amazing. How yeah. can you not see it? And if I'm completely honest, when I've just given it a bit of time and reflected on it, I start looking at my idea and go, yeah, actually, it's not great. Yeah. You know, or not that it's not perfect. It's like they were right. 90% of it, they were right. Mm-hmm. There's 10% that I was right, but 90% mm-hmm. they were right. And I think we need to start looking at life as more gray and proportions yeah. than yes or no and black yeah. or white. Like there's very few things that are black or white. Right. There's very few TV shows that were either good or bad. Mm-hmm. There's very good songs that are good or bad. They either have their time or they're at the wrong time or whatever it yeah. may be. Yeah. And I think we need to start living life in the gray where it's proportionate. So yes, that person's saying it's not good. So maybe actually 75% of the album's rubbish, right. but 25% of the tracks are amazing. Let's keep them and let's redo these. Yeah. And I think when we take that honest view, I think the second thing is you need people who are not involved in the deal to help you get perspective. Mm. You need people who are not involved who don't have a say and aren't getting any money right, or right, right, from right, right. it to kind of wake you up and give you some objective advice. Yeah. Ideally, that needs to be a mentor many years ahead. Mm. I've had that. Like When I first stopped living as a monk, I got criticized by a few people as uh, that I left being a monk and that now I'm like wearing cool clothes again. And I, I got a lot of flack for it. Sure. And, and I remember just feeling so annoyed because I was just like, well, I'm just living my life. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm not taking money out of your pocket. And I, feel, yeah. I remember feeling really angry about it because yeah. I was just like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And I remember calling up one of my monk guides and just being like, God, what does this guy think he is? And I'm just, you know, criticizing this. I've just left being a monk, sure. being critical, judgmental, everything yeah, yeah. that I've trained not to be. Of course. And he just goes to me, he goes, did you realize that he feels that way because you're a leader in our society. He said, yeah. did you realize that he feels that way because you influence others? Yeah. So he's actually saying it because he values your role. And I was just like, oh, oh right, I didn't see that. And, and that's yeah. the point, you need someone who has a bird's eye view. Yeah. And, and the problem is we don't, we, we spend time with people who are stuck in the same grind. You need someone who can look at it from like their tower mm-hmm. and just go, actually, this is what's happening. Yeah. And so mentors, guides, coaches, whatever it is for anyone. So who do you look to now? Now I, my mentors, of course, I have in different areas. I still have the monks as my mentors for spiritually. They'll always be my spiritual mentors. I spend mm. two weeks to a month a year in India just refueling up. Nice. Uh, but I look for mentors in the areas I'm trying to grow in. Yeah. So I have mentors in the media space. And, and these aren't people necessarily that famous or well-known, mm-hmm. but they're people that I trust and love. Yeah. And I feel they have my interest at heart. Yeah. Uh, the people that I have with brand partnerships with, they're the people that are becoming my guides and mentors in the space I'm growing in. Yeah. Again, they're not may not be the most famous people on the planet, but they're people that have been really successful in what they're doing. Yeah. And and again, the key thing is I trust them and they get me. So, um, you know, you talk about working with brands. Mm. 
Um, and I know, you know, there are a lot of brands with uh, massive budgets and, you know, household uh, names that would love to achieve what you've achieved in terms of reaching people yes. with their messages. What can, they, what can brands learn from you? I think what brands can learn from me is how understanding the mindset of your audience is way more important than money, setup, camera equipment, tools, mm. techniques, and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know anything about cameras. We have a production company. Uh, right. the, the guys know about the cameras. I know nothing. Yeah, I have James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I, I stick to my expertise. My yeah. expertise is storytelling. Right. Uh, my expertise is understanding the human mind and human behavior. That's what I'm trying to share. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the best producer. I'm not the best director. I don't need to be. Right. And, and I don't want to be. So I think for brands, it's do you really understand the mind of your consumer? Mm -hmm. Do your people even use your products? Mm -hmm. Do your people who are defining your marketing strategy even spend time on social media? And that's what I saw working with brands and corporate companies is that even people with social media and marketing in their title, that's all it stays at. Yeah. It's their job. Yeah. This is not my job. This is like my life. Like I sure. love this stuff. Yeah. I could spend my whole day on social media just interacting and engaging because I love how people can grow through it. So, so that's what it is for me, is, is how much can you understand the mind, human behavior, and storytelling? Mm. How much can you understand how to go beyond <laughs> just the physical and mental in someone right. and penetrate a deeper part of them? And that's so much harder. I mean, I think, so you know, the, the brands, you know, I have a social media agency and we work with brands and they're so, um, they're so heavily invested in the, the minutia, the tactics, and yes. learning how to game the algorithms. And, totally. And, right? All of the all of the practical aspects yes and completely missing the human nature part completely. of it completely yeah and to me it's all the other yeah it's it's completely about human nature yeah. i i just did it, i was speaking at someone's mastermind on saturday and i and i spoke about how it's all about content led strategy yeah and everyone just wanted to know jay what time do i post right right, right. who do i yeah. partner up with how, how often, often should i post? yeah exactly and i was just like that's never going to work right because that's important but it's not the game changer. Right. And I think people find it a lot harder to step back and focus on what really matters. Well, and then they're always baffled by the 14-year-old <laughs> girls who end yeah. up with these massive followings. There's so many of them, yeah. Who don't know any of those rules. No. You know, no, they, exactly. they were holding the camera wrong for three years before that became... Absolutely. You know, the thing, yeah. yeah. But that's, again, unlearning. Yeah. We think we know. We think we know. That's yeah. the biggest problem. I'm always looking at new people who are growing and going, what do they know that I don't know? Yeah. Like, what is I remember, I'll give you an example. I remember Snapchat calling me up. This is when they first kind of were mm. growing. And they called me up and they said, Jay, we'd love to do a partnership with you. We want you to snap on International Happiness Day, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, like all the positive days of the year. Mm -hmm. We want you to be a Snapchat influencer. And I was like, this sounds amazing. I was like, this is great. Snapchat's contacted me. And, and this was when my video started out. And I put the phone down. The first person I called after Snapchat called me was my sister. Mm. My sister's five years younger than me. I said, you need to teach me how to use Snapchat. Sure. Right? And my sister's not a social media influencer. The point is, she uses Snapchat organically and natively and naturally. I kind of just missed it. Yeah. And so I needed someone to yeah. teach me. And she taught me how to use it. And, yeah. and, and then I, I was snapping. So the whole point is, I think we think we know. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us, whether we own agencies, whether we don't, whatever it yeah. is, as soon as you think you know, that there's a formula. Same with music, I guess. I mean, it's, I think that's the price of success. Absolutely. Is that you stop learning. Absolutely. Right, and uh, you see these industries get toppled. Completely. Whether it was the music industry or now retail. or yeah. like, And that's all because 
a bunch of old men got too successful doing things a certain way yeah. that it's so hard for them to change. Absolutely. I mean, who thought Kodak oh. invented... They actually got into digital cameras really early, yeah. but they got into it so early, they were scared that it would cannibalize their market that they right. stopped themselves. I mean, yeah. that's, that's incredible. And then obviously Blockbuster buying Netflix, missing the opportunity three times. For sure. Yeah. All of these crazy examples. Nokia, yeah. Blackberry. Yeah. I love Blackberry. I mean, you know, if you read, if you believe what you read, you know, Sears is going to go out of business this year. Yeah, it's crazy. Which, you know, for, you know, my grandparents' generation, mm. like, you couldn't buy things without Sears. It's it, ridiculous. It didn't, you it's know, amazing. it was a necessity for, for life. Yeah, that complacency. Yeah. Complacency, uh, you know, the phrase is curiosity kills the cat, but it's complacency that kills the cat. Curiosity is a good thing. Yeah. You know, we need that today. We need that intellectual curiosity that pushed that boundary a bit further and, yeah. and not give up and settle. But again, if you're doing it as your job, that's what it is. Right. It's when someone's doing it because they love it right. that you're going to be always learning. And it keeps coming back to that. So what's the vision? Where, where's it going? And, and how yeah. are you going to know when you're, when you're there? I don't think I'll ever be there. I was saying that to my friend today. I, he was saying to me, I, I always say, to, he said to me, Jay, you always say to me, this is just the beginning. Yeah. He said, you've been saying that for like 10 years. Yeah. And I was just like, because I always like feeling it's the I beginning. I feel like I'm always starting. Yeah, me too. I was like, when I'm starting, I'm humble, yeah. I'm grateful, and I'll always learn. And I'll get hold of anything, and I'm mm. opportunistic, and I'm optimistic, and I, I'll take risks. But if I think I made it, then there's no fun in life anymore. So I don't know what it feels like to make it. When people say, what's your grand vision? I don't know what it feels like. Mm. I never even thought I'd be doing what I do now. So I feel very grateful, I'm happy, and I'm always learning and growing. Yeah. I know what's around the corner. I make three, six, 12-month plans, which I think are realistic. I don't think three-year plans or five-year plans matter anymore mm -hmm. because everything's changing so fast. You yeah. could invest in a technology that could either die in, in 12 months or right. be the biggest thing in the world. So the biggest focus for me is, I read a beautiful study that, that completely changed and shifted how I work. And it was around how the most successful people on the planet choose education over entertainment. Mm. And the most unsuccessful people on the planet, healthy, wealthy, and wise, choose entertainment over education. Yeah. So my greatest aspiration and Jeez. ambition is to make entertainment educational to have education inside entertainment concepts yeah. that can change mindsets. Yeah. And we've been doing that through short mini series inside corporate. So instead of e-learning and like mm -hmm. clicking through, I'm sure you've seen it a million times, you're like learning the story. We actually created mini TV shows yeah. where people are learning from them yeah. and you're able to laugh and you're able to cry and you're able to joke about it, yeah. but you're learning. Yeah. And so my whole thing is how can I create more entertainment content, uh, content that changes cultures and mindsets in a positive way? Uh, that's that's my big aspiration. How that how that happens, I have no idea. Sure. But we're there. We're, we're starting. We've had a billion views on my videos online. They're entertaining. Amazing. That's that's been a big win. Yeah. There's so many people reaching out who believe in this passion and vision. Mm -hmm. It's gonna happen through books and media as well. But but that's my greatest goal. It's that I want everyone in the world to be educated without feeling like they're being educated. Yeah. That's that's my aim in life. Yeah, that's great. So you know, everyone's a conscious being <laughs> without knowing. It, the analogy in the Vedas is that a good parent knows how to put the medicine inside a sweet. Right. So the, the child is excited to eat the sweet, but yeah, there's yeah. medicine inside that purifies us. Yeah. And I'm the same. I mean, today, you know, it's funny. I, I can't remember where I heard this. So I was, I was saying it somewhere that, you know, you're meant to listen to politicians and laugh at comedians. Today, people laugh at politicians and listen to comedians. Sure. 
And, but we listen to comedians because they entertain us. <coughs> the point right. they're making is super valid. Yeah. Right? If you look at uh, Joe Rogan, or whoever, you know, it's like he's making really valid points, but yeah. he's really funny about it. Right. And today we're in that mindset. We all want to learn, but we don't want to learn through a classroom. Sure. We, we've lost faith in that model. And that's why I love video. Yeah. You, can, you can change mindsets. I get so many emails and I feel touched when I get them. Jay, you helped me overcome depression with your video. Jay, you helped me through my divorce with your video. And, I'm, and I always reply saying, no, it's you. Because yeah. I don't even know you. Yeah. So I didn't do any of that. But the point is that video can right. truly change people's lives. It's incredible. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the big vision. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, man. All right, I have to do a quick uh, uh, lightning round. Let's do it. I love it. I love um, lightning rounds. I always do them with people. Do you? Yeah, so I just, I, I did one with Russell Brand for his book last year. Oh, cool. I did cool. one with Tim Ferriss. That was a lot of fun. Nice. So, yeah, anyway, I've, I've never been on the receiving end of one, so. All right, well, maybe you'll have a, a, new, <laughs> a new question for us to add. Let's do it. Um, tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Uh, becoming a monk's easy, so I'll go for a harder one. Uh, leaving being a monk's easy. Yeah, moving to New York. Yeah. Moving to New York. I moved to New York 18 months ago. Yeah. Took a risk. Leaving half post last year. Those are the big ones. One on. Those are good. Yeah. Um, complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Oh, beautiful question. I don't have talent. I have self-awareness. Mm. Self-actualization. I totally right. get myself and I try and learn more every day. Yeah. Yeah. So if I worked for you. I love that one. Team Shetty. Yeah. What, uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> I, I, oh, God, yeah. You'd always hear me say, all we need is one person to say yes. Oh, that's good. That's all I ever say. I'm like, all we need is one person to yeah. say yes. That's how I overcome failure. I've, I've noticed that everyone, everyone who we look up to in life, all the people that you aspire to be like, all they had was one person. They didn't yeah. have, the people that you love didn't have 10 record labels trying to sign them. Right. They had one when they yeah. started. Sure. You know, so and I think people have this wrong view that when you're talented, you're just gonna have a million people. Right, everybody it. loves it. Doesn't you. work like that. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, and in fact, I mean that's such a great yeah. uh, insight because even even the most successful, you know, there are people, there are more people that hate the Beatles yeah, exactly. than love the Beatles because exactly. there's Rolling Stones fans or whatever, right? Yeah. And and Drake has, you know, yeah, love Drake, but he has more haters out there. Yeah, absolutely. Than you know, than than most people have fans. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it works out for him just And it works fine. out for him, yeah. All you need is one person to say yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Ooh, wow, wow, that's a big question. Well, I know you've already probably had a lot of those. Yeah, but no, there's, there's always, I think, uh, I think Ellen. Mm. Ellen, that would yeah. be really nice because I think she's... How's your dancing? I can dance. Okay. Yeah, I can dance. I'm not, right. I, I wouldn't say I'm the have best dancer in the world. And you have a shot with yeah, Ellen. Yeah, yeah, I love Ellen. I, I just think because what she's done for the world of, she's really made entertainment education. She's kind of put it together. Yeah. People learn a lot from her. People get more positive because of her. She's a fun personality. She yeah. comes across great. If she was a fan of my work, that would, that would be amazing. I'd love that. That's cool. Throwing it out to the universe. Her and The Rock. Oh, yeah? Yeah, The Rock. I love The Rock. He's, he's got such, again, he's... He's a personality. He's yeah. not. He's not an actor. Right. You know. He's a personality, and people love him because of what he stands for. Yeah. And so I love what he stands for. So if he loved my stuff, that would be yeah. amazing. That's cool. Yeah. My wife's a huge fan of The Rock. Yeah, She's, me too. Yeah. So that would be awesome. His name comes up almost daily in our <laughs> yeah. house. Somehow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Great questions, by the way. I'm going to steal you. Thanks. I steal yeah, all I'm these. Gonna... These are all mostly stolen. So. Okay. <laughs> um, that's the idea, right? <laughs> uh, what's your favorite city to travel to? I think it has to be New York. 
Yeah. I love New York. Yeah, I live there now and I love it. I, as much as I think about living in other places, I've traveled to a lot of places. Yeah. If I had to choose somewhere that I didn't work in, then it would be Florence mm. in Tuscany. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite place in the world to like retreat to and yeah. get away to. I love that part of the world. Amazing. The food's great, weather's great. What's your favorite city? Uh, I know probably a lot of our listeners have not been to India. What's yes. your favorite place in India? I love, I generally, Mumbai is very much like New York. Yeah. I love Mumbai because I have a lot of friends there. Yeah. So my sentiment towards it is people, not, sure. not the place necessarily. But there's a beautiful place in India called Vrindavan. It's a spiritual place. It's mm. a holy place of pilgrimage. It's about uh, two hours outside of Delhi. It's one of my favorite places because the history of that place. There's temples that are like 5,000 years old. And nice. it has such history. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that place. And then there's a place in South India called Sri Rangam and Rameshwaram. I know they're really tough words. Uh, I even struggle to say them sometimes. But again, temples over 5,000 years yeah, old. It's so just cool. the architecture is just incredible. How did it last that long? Yeah. You know, it's been visited by millions of people through yeah. those years. There's something about that. It's, it's weird. Yeah. You know, I haven't, I haven't been to India, but I've traveled a bit in China. Mm. And, you know, yes, it, China has a lot. it seems so mundane to say, oh, this building's been here 2,000, 5,000 years. But when you're there, there's something about it. And what it stands that, for. There's a resonance, right, that's different. Well, you're going to a place where people have lived detached lives yeah. for 5,000 years. Yeah. That's, that, you can't underestimate It's like walking into the studio where Eminem recorded his first album. It's sure. like it has something about it. Like right. I would feel the energy. Yeah. But this is like people have meditated there for hours every day for 5,000 years. Yeah. That's how many things last 5,000 years, I think is a good question. Absolutely. We love the Beatles. Are they going to last 5,000 years? Right. Like Probably Drake, not. is he going to last? You know, am I going to last 5,000? I'm not. Like, right. These things are, things that are 5,000 years are practically timeless. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's my favorite place, city. Yeah. yeah. What, um, well, I know you're a reader. So what's the last great book you've read? Oh, good question. Last great book I've read was I'm trying to remember because I've read a lot recently and it's it's always hard to be like do I really rate that as a good book uh -huh. or was it yeah, okay sure. so I need to think about what was the last great book I read let me think which one have I been quoting a lot lately I really enjoyed uh, Daniel Levitin's The Organized Mind mm. I really enjoyed that book Cool. I think it had some great stories in it that I hadn't read yeah. now I rate books on how original the research yeah, is yeah absolutely because like you said there's so, so much stuff out there yeah. and when I read something I'm like I could have read this in an article yeah. on Inc or Forbes or Entrepreneur well you had a great video on how to read a book in a day yes yeah and I mean I, I love I don't know how much I can do that I'm gonna mm. give I'm gonna try, I try it sometimes but yeah there's so much to take in yeah you know now that I mean there's just there's more than a lifetime of books left absolutely. that you already know you want to read absolutely and you have to trust the author I think yeah. like I'm a massive Malcolm Gladwell fan yeah me too Malcolm Gladwell defined my whole childhood and what mm. I loved and and I read his books and just for me that's a real author yeah I never read anything unoriginal it's all his own ideas yeah. it's articulated in the most smart way for me that's that's my passion sure. of reading Daniel yeah. Kahneman thinking fast and yeah. slow one of my favorite books but Daniel Levitin did a good job last Last, last year with, uh, with The Organized Mind. Yeah, yeah cool. I'm, uh, I haven't read yeah, that. I'm very good. That out. Uh, what movie have you seen the most in your life? Uh, the Prestige. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. Have uh, you seen it? Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, watched, I've made people watch that movie. Really? I've watched it a million times. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackman, Kristen Bell, yeah. and 
Christopher Nolan is my favorite yeah. director producer of all time. Cool. And the prestige is also it's just the fact that the whole movie is about a magic trick and right. it's three phases. Yeah. And the movie goes through the three phases. Right. I mean that whole uh yeah, that's just I'm gonna watch it again. I I, uh, I if you I, the more you watch it, the more you notice stuff and you're really? just like, whoa. And that's what, when I make videos, I, I mean, there's no, no way in comparison to Christopher Nolan, but I aspire for that, that mm. when someone watches it twice, yeah. they'll only get more. Yeah. When someone watches it thrice, they'll only get more. And I think Christopher Nolan does that with Inception, Memento, mm -hmm. The Prestige, sure. The Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. So yeah, The Prestige, I've, I've watched that a million times. That and Inception's probably next to that. Nice. But I love movies that you can, that you go and Google after and go, why did that happen? Like, what's that? You know, that's yeah. the kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah, so The Prestige. All right, so going back to music, I know we talked about Eminem. Yeah. Um, is there, do, you have, do you have a favorite DJ? Oh, good question. Calvin Harris I like a yeah. lot. Yeah, and he's British. So yeah. yeah, but uh, I, to be honest, I, I was a huge fan of, I, I, I guess I was a huge fan of more of producers. I uh -huh. was a huge fan of Kanye's production, sure. original stuff, older yeah. stuff. A uh, huge fan of today, I guess DJ Khaled. I love a lot. Is that right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think his stuff's great. I think he's, he's talk about a personality. He's talk about a personality, mainstream, yeah. knowing how to take anything from anywhere and just getting it out there and always staying stuck in your head. I, I, I think there's you know there's there's you respect the people that are in their niche and own it, mm -hmm. but then I also respect people who just know how to make everything stick in my head, yeah. even if I don't want to. Absolutely. But Calvin Harris is a DJ, definitely amazing. Uh, yeah, so yeah, those ones. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Thank man. you, this man. So much I fun. loved it. No, it's so much fun for me. I love in the questions. Um, how should people find you? I know you're. I know you're active everywhere. Yes. But if, what's uh, so what's if, the starting point? Go where you are. So if you're on yeah. Instagram, I'm Jay Shetty on Instagram. If you like Facebook, I'm Jay Shetty on Facebook. If you like YouTube, I'm Jay Shetty on YouTube. And if you like Twitter or Snapchat, I'm Jay Shetty on Twitter and Snapchat. So nice. wherever, whatever you're on, yeah, yeah. join me on that. Yeah. Because my content, I create content different for each of those platforms. Yeah. So you'll find me on one of them and then end up on another. Nice. And I'm happy with that. That's uh, great. Find me on social media. That's where everything is. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Thank, Thank you, man. man. Thank you yeah. so much. Pleasure. I'm genuinely grateful. Yeah, I love that. Likewise. We'll yeah, come back, good. man, yeah. next time. Yeah, anytime you. you're in LA. I'd love to. For genuinely, sure. I'd love to. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Yo, that was Jay Shetty on Rebel Radio. I'd love to hear what you think. Leave me a comment on iTunes, on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, on our Facebook page. You can find uh, videos on our YouTube page, Rebel Radio Net, as well. And of course, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.